Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. Hi, honey. Chris, I just got off the phone with the daycare. They said you never dropped off Josh, but where is he? You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin and special guest Carl, Amy's dad. (laughs) So we are back this week with episode number 70, Murder or Horrible Accident, Justin Ross Harris and Cooper Harris. Nice title. Thank you. Not a nice case, though. No. So there are several reasons why we're doing this case right now. One is that it's going to be Father's Day this Sunday. And there so will happy be... Father's Day. <laughs> then there will be no fathers in this story winning any awards. But if a father did win an award, it would be Carl Wright, my father, who's going to be weighing in and telling us about some stuff, potentially. And then also... June 18th, which is the day that this podcast is coming out, is actually the seventh anniversary of Cooper Harris's passing. Lastly, we do want people to be aware of the numerous dangers that the summer heat can bring. And we are almost in the full swing of summer at this point. My last day of work was last night. So So now it's officially summer. Yeah. So I no mean work. It's it's officially my summer break, but I don't think Summer officially starts until the solstice, which I think is either the... 21st. I think, doesn't it change from year to year? Is the solstice the same every year? I think it changes year to year. It's probably the same for the solar year, but not for our calendar year. Okay, yeah. I think it's June 20th this year. That's why Carl is is here to (laughs) keep us all in check. Uh, I'd have to go to Stonehenge and check. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone set your watch to Stonehenge. (laughs) So some stats. Since 1998, there have been 886 child hot car deaths. That's about one child death every nine days. Now, Dad, did you ever leave me or Julie in the car ever? Been thinking about that. No, not that I can remember at all. Did you use car seats? I know that's a silly question. (laughs) Did they have car seats back then? They had car seats back then, yes. However, I'm not sure that they were ever backward-facing. I think that's a more recent thing than when you girls were little. So according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website, in 2018 and 2019, a record 53 children died of vehicular heat stroke each year. So many. Yeah. In 2020, during the public health emergency... 24 children lost their lives in hot cars, and in 2021, four children have died. I think that's basically saying that because of the pandemic, I think that people weren't going to as many places as they normally were, so that's why like that statistic was cut in half last year. Yeah, they just died of boredom in their houses. <laughs> so the majority of hot car deaths, 53%, happen because someone forgets a child in a car. You may be asking yourself, how does this happen? Families who lost a loved one thought the same thing at one point, but then tragedy happened to them. In 2019, we saw the highest number of deaths, 53, because children were forgotten, according to Jan Knoll, who has been tracking vehicular heat stroke deaths since 1998. Among the trends he discovered over the years, about 46% of the time when a child was forgotten, the caregiver meant to drop the child off at daycare or preschool. 
Thursdays and Fridays, the end of the work week, have the highest deaths. Nearly 75% of children who are forgotten and die are under two years old. It's also probably because they're sleeping. Because like, most kids sleep when they're in the car, right? And they're quiet. Yeah, but... I'm not defending car death like this, but I'm just saying. I, I just don't understand how you... Oh, I forgot I had a kid. Well, it seems like they said that it's it's not like it's single... It's not like it's parents who are stay-at-home parents that go into the grocery store. It's it's parents who are working, who are dropping their kids off at daycare. So they're thinking about, you know, a hundred different things. Kind of. I'm not, again, not defending it, but we'll talk about the syndrome later about forgetting your baby. So there's a syndrome. Yes, there is a syndrome we'll talk about. All right. So if child deaths in hot cars is sadly somewhat of a common thing, why did this case stick out? Do you remember hearing about this case in the media? Not really. Yeah, I do. I do. I, it was seven years ago when it ha- almost seven years ago exactly that it happened. And all I remembered was, oh, well, that guy was a pervert and he purposely like, it was kind of like a Casey Anthony thing where it was just like the, the, there was guilt just presumed instantly, you know, and with, before the trial even started. Yeah, it wasn't what I, what I remember was it wasn't so much about the hot car death is more about this guy sexting. sexting and being a total degenerate. Yeah, and I think that the term sexting had may- may- maybe just been coined I by that point. I think he coined yeah. it. <laughs> thought that was Anthony Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, and it's also interesting too, and I don't we don't talk about it in the episode, so we can talk about it now, but sexting is a whole other thing with I think legislation like basically in its infancy exactly like what what it is and who's allowed to do it and stuff but what's interesting is that in the state of Georgia which is where this case takes place the age of consent is 16 so he could have sex with 16 year olds that's fine he's like 34 at this point but he couldn't sex to them that's illegal because of the legislation so so you can have sex with these, you know, 16-year-olds legally, but you can't send sexual text messages, and that's illegal. That seems a little backwards. I agree. <laughs> What's the age of consent in Kentucky, Dad? 12. Is it really? No, I okay. have no idea. <laughs> it's like that part of Clueless. Uh, do you remember that movie, Clueless? Oh, Nike. who doesn't? <laughs> but she says, like, uh, she insinuates that she's going to marry her, like, uh, like stepbrother. And she's like, ew, this isn't, this isn't Kentucky. <laughs> well, you know what a virgin in Kentucky is. Oh, God. It's a 12-year-old girl that can outrun her brothers barefooted. And <laughs> that's it, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. So, Leanne... Leanna? Leanna. Leanna Taylor and Justin Ross Harris. He just goes by Ross. Now 40 years old, were a mostly happily married couple. She was a dietitian and he was a web developer with the Home Depot Corporation in Marietta, Georgia. They lived a comfortable middle class life. Two years after getting married, Leanna Taylor said she and Ross were no longer connecting in the bedroom. Apparently, he had low testosterone. And I wasn't sure if that was told by his doctor or if he just said it to her as a reason. Yeah. I just got low testosterone, baby. They attended couples counseling at their church to work through their issues. Two years after that, she saw he was sexting other women on his phone. 
a pattern of behavior that continued for another four years. I can't believe she would stay with him after that, too. So I have not enough testosterone to pop a boner, <laughs> but I have plenty to send text messages to underage and girls. Dick pics galore. <laughs> they began trying to conceive a child in February 2011, and after months of being unsuccessful, they went through several medical tests where they discovered some of the medical reasons behind Ross's dysfunction. Taylor said she became quite discouraged, but on Ross's birthday in November 2011, they found out she was pregnant with Cooper. So this all mostly takes place. There's a couple places, but mostly in Vinings, Georgia. Dad used to live in Georgia, right? Yes. Do I you went know to the University of Georgia. Do you know where Vinings, Georgia is? Not at all. It's outside of Marietta, Georgia? Oh, Marietta, sure. Where's that? <laughs> Marietta's close to Atlanta. Oh, okay. All right. And where did you live? I lived in Athens, Georgia. Okay. In a, in a trailer, right? <laughs> No, that was in South Carolina. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so this this mostly takes place in Vinings, Georgia. So on June 18th, 2014, exactly seven years ago to the day, Ross and his 22-month-old son, Cooper, woke up and laid in bed together and watched some cartoons. His wife, Leanna, left for work around 7.15. A little while later, Ross had to go to work as well. So he strapped his son Cooper into a rear-facing car seat, which I think becomes a big point because if you, the rear-facing, I guess it's a lot easier to forget your kid. As a new father myself, we got this <laughs> handy little mirror that you strap onto the back of yeah. the seat so you can actually see your kid. But I could actually understand not, you know, seeing him. But I always tell myself, don't drive like a lunatic because... You have a baby in the car. Yeah, baby yeah. on board. And then will. there's been those cases, too, where people put their car seat on top of their car and then drive off. That seems like a real bad idea. I mean, we've done it with coffee, but I, I haven't done it with the baby yet. <laughs> <laughs> so after strapping his son into the rear-facing car seat, he took him to Chick-fil-A for breakfast. and Breakfast of champions. I had to look up because I was like, Chick-fil-A has breakfast? And they have a very large breakfast menu. <laughs> Have you, have you, wait, you, is Chick-fil-A big on your, you're more of a jack-in-the-box guy, right? I've had one Chick-fil-A and it was when they opened the first restaurant here and it was free. Oh, okay. <laughs> so surveillance cameras at the Chick-fil-A actually show Cooper to be awake and happy. So he wasn't harmed or anything at that point. Minutes later, instead of dropping Cooper off at daycare like he was supposed to, he continued on to his IT job at Home Depot leaving Cooper strapped in the in the car seat of his Hyundai Hyundai Tucson. And the reason that I bring up the make and model of the car is that there are some people who think they hear the word SUV or they hear the term SUV and they think, oh, like with those huge, what are some of those like huge SUVs? Escalade. Like an Escalade or something. It could be maybe, you know, almost understandable that like, you know, in a huge SUV that the kid could actually be like, several feet behind you and you might not see or hear it but the hyundai tucson is one of the, is the smallest suv you can buy it's it's basically it like they even said that the term suv is kind of even misleading it's more the size of a sedan it's a hyundai yeah it's a crossover yeah it's a crossover vehicle so at lunchtime some friends came by to pick up ross for lunch at Publix, which we don't have here 
They stop off at Home Depot, uh, a, a proper Home Depot, so Ross could grab some light bulbs. And actually, when he's getting dropped back off at 1240, he actually goes to the car, opens it, and puts the light bulbs inside. And we know this because I believe that there is CCTV footage of him doing that from inside, or from, from his workplace. Right. But he never actually looks at the back seat. It's like, dang, it's hot in this car. Yeah. Oh, and that's something that'll come up again, too. So the defense says that he did not notice his son while he was in the car seat. Oh, I wonder if he's already gone at this point. You know? I don't know, but it's sad as fuck. Yeah. So at around 3 p.m., he texts his wife asking her when she's going to pick up his buddy from daycare. He leaves for work just after 4 p.m. to meet his friends for an early movie. And on the way to the theater to see 22 Jump Street with friends... Ross pulled into a parking lot and jumped out of the driver's seat. And this is when he realizes, I don't know how he realizes. I don't know if it's like, I hate to say it's like the smell or something. Um, But he realizes that his son is in the backseat and he jumps out of the car and he pulls the lifeless body of his son, Cooper, out of the backseat. Cooper had spent nearly seven hours baking in the hot Georgia sun Temperatures that day reached 92 degrees Fahrenheit, and they said that was in the shade outside of the car. It was 92 degrees. So if you if you had a 92, if it was a 92 degree day outside in Georgia, how hot do you think it got inside of the car? 120, maybe. Really? I'd agree with that. Yes. Around 120. Yeah. Oh my god. It's hot. Depends on what color the car was too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Witnesses say that Ross screams, what have I done, repeatedly. He attempts CPR, apparently not very well, because someone from the crowd stepped in to assist with it, but it was too late. According to the witness, Ross went to the other side of the vehicle and made three phone calls, none of which were 911. Someone from the forming crowd called 911. Yeah, so I guess he's just fumbling around trying to do CPR and someone had to jump in, right? Yeah. And then he's just making phone calls, yeah, not to 911. Th- and I think it was maybe to his wife to like let her know so that she wouldn't get the news from someone else. But I, again, that's usually my first. She was trying to he he was trying to call her so she wouldn't pick him up at daycare, right? Or like y- yeah, because then she would hear it from someone else, basically. Or I I don't know I I don't know why I if my kid were die because at this point I don't think he knows that straight up Cooper's dead. If you think I think he might a, have a clue. Well, but I mean, like, I feel like if you if you found a dead kid in your car, Dad, what would be your first phone call? That would be nine one one. Yes. Yeah. So immediately, the things that the the detectives and you know the medical personnel noticed was that the color of the baby was very off, and apparently they actually saw these pictures in trial. Um, luckily, they're not available online to see or anything because I can only imagine what this would look like. I don't know what a human body would look like after sitting in a hot car for seven hours, you know? Probably very red. And um, they also noticed that there were scratches on the body that were consistent with, oh, it's so sad, Cooper trying to claw his way out of the car seat. Because remember, he's strapped in, you know? And unfortunately, on that day, Cooper died of hyperthermia. Not hypo, no, right? No, hypothermia yeah. would be Hyper, cold. Hypo yeah. would be cold. Yeah. So while this is happening, <clears throat> Leanna is actually on her way to pick up Cooper from daycare, totally unaware of anything at this point. When she gets there, the daycare staff is surprised to see her because dro- Ross never dropped him off. 
Leanna's odd response. So when they tell her, hey, Cooper was never dropped off. Her response was Ross must have left him in the car. Weird. That's a weird response. Like, not like, oh, that's, huh. Like you know? what? And tries to call him. He doesn't answer because he is already in police custody at this point. Which I also, if he, if, it kind of makes you wonder if the phone calls he was making, I don't, I couldn't find this, that the phone calls he was making from the car or to her, why didn't she answer? You know? Anyways. Yeah. Some things in this don't really add up. Yeah. There was a TV in another area of the daycare center that the news was on. When Leanna walked into that room, the workers switched it off and they didn't want to tell her what it was. Leanna received a phone call from a detective telling her to stay put. She freaks out, demanding to know what they saw and are being hush-hush about. They finally tell her that there was a report of a deceased child on the news and that they saw Ross's vehicle on the screen. And she said, I could feel myself start to go numb. It was like I wasn't in my own body. Leanna is taken to the police station where she's allowed to see Ross in the interrogation room. Now, of course, every interrogation room, as we know, is outfitted with cameras and audio and is always recording. And people forget that. Yeah, come on, guys. Camera footage of her shows her extreme affection towards her husband, Ross, rubbing his thighs and putting her head in his lap while reassuring him that everything is okay. And this will be used against her briefly when she's kind of considered a person of interest, but then it's it's pretty heavily dropped after that when they realize it's weird because it's like, how do you know how you're going to act toward, you know, if mom did something horrendous, mm. like let's say mom killed one of us on accident, would you immediately be mad? Like it was a, a true accident. Would, would you be mad at her or would you try to console her because she would probably be upset too right now the amount of shock you could you couldn't tell what a person would do exactly so that's why i think it's unfair that she was kind of smeared in the media but again i i think it was unfair that he was smeared and smeared in the media too even though and and we're gonna find that we are talking about the media so yeah and they're we're trying gonna, to sell stuff. and we're gonna find that ross he's a humongous piece of shit husband but he's not necessarily a humongous piece of shit father like there there's no indication of that and that's and, and that's what Leanna knows. She knows that he's not a terrible father. So there is another incriminating thing that happens. Though. When he tells her that he's going to be charged with murder, she's really confused by this because she's like, Wolfo is an accident. How could it be murdered? And and she tell, she says to him, did you say too much? And that's what kind of sets it up to be like, are they in cahoots together on this? You know? Well, there's a couple internet searches that are kind of yeah, questionable yeah. as well, right? Yeah, so Detective Jacqueline Piper testified that Ross was on his... Oh, this is just an aside. Detective Jacqueline Piper testified that Ross was on his cell phone when paramedics and officers arrived on the scene. And when a fellow officer instructed him to hang up and talk to police, Ross allegedly yelled, shut the fuck up, and continued his phone conversation. And he'll say later that... Like, he wanted her to shut the fuck up because he was trying to call his wife to let her know so that he could be the one to tell her and not somebody else. And then Detective Phil Stoddard, who I'll be talking about a lot, he was kind of the lead detective on the case. He testified that Ross was calm and even cordial as he answered police questions. Everything changed, however, when Ross was told he could face murder charges. He quickly told police that he had, quote, no malicious intent to kill the toddler. They thought that the legal phrase of malicious intent was a little unusual. Uh, 
and that's what they said in court. Did he have a background in law enforcement? He did. I think he was like either like a dispatcher or maybe worked at 911 right, or something like that. Right, yeah, he like was that. a dispatcher. Yeah. So June 28th, 2014, Cooper's funeral is held in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Have you been there? No. <laughs> By phone from jail, Ross thanks supporters for standing behind him. Liana also speaks at the service saying that even if she could take Cooper back, she wouldn't because Cooper's in the most peaceful, wonderful place there is. It's a weird thing to say. Another weird thing. Yeah. Also, I just want to get your guys' opinion on this. Do you think it was unfair? So at this point, he's been, it's what, been like maybe two weeks since his kid died. And he has been charged with murder at this point, but... Should they have let him go to the funeral? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I don't know. No I opinion mean, here. Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth because if it was truly an accident, which it sounds, it I'm gonna go ahead and say that's what I believe. Um, then not letting him go to his own child's funeral is very sad. But if they do think he had quote unquote malicious intent with the murder of his child then yeah maybe i don't know it's just, it just sucks it's not more sad than the image of the poor kid trying yeah, to claw his way yeah. out of a fucking yeah. car seat yeah so soon after search warrants released to the public revealed that both ross and liana had recently searched hot car deaths what and in their defense well in i you know, I'm, I'm not trying to necessarily defend them but they said that i i heard on a podcast i think it was maybe killer queens they were saying that it had been in the news, like in like right before. Well, it's Georgia, so I imagine every summer they're like, "Hey, dummies, don't leave your kid in the car." <laughs> and so they were like, "Huh? I wonder how many hot car deaths there have been this year." So that's why they were searching it because they had just seen it on the news. But then you're like, if you if it was just on the news and you Googled it, <laughs> it's on your mind. It's on your mind. Why would you then leave your kid in the car? I gotta sext this 14-year-old real quick. 16. 16-year-old. 16 Whatever. So, July 3rd, 2014, Cobb Superior Court Judge Frank Cox rules there is probable cause to charge Ross with Cooper's murder and is denied bail. Ross remains in jail. During the hearing, prosecutors disclose that Ross was sexting with at least six women. Six women the day that his son died. That's a busy schedule, so I can understand. <laughs> and if he was working, he had to go to Chick-fil-A, he had a kid in the car, he had to go to lunch at Publix, and he had to sex six women. And what was that dumb movie they saw? Oh, they were supposed to go Catch see 22, 22 no, Jump Street. 22 Jump Street. Yeah. He had, a, he had a lot to do that day, Kevin. Fucking loser. So one of the families he allegedly sexted was just 16-year-old. One of the females. Not one of the <laughs> Let's try that. Do that one again. <laughs> I'm sexing yeah. the family. Sexing the whole family. Yeah, this guy's an aggressive sex. Everybody gather around the living yeah. room. <laughs> it's time for our sexting session. Um, sorry, female that was a 16 years old. We already talked about that. Uh, Ross and his attorneys tried to have the alleged racy text messages declared inadmissible at trial, but a judge ruled against them. 
So, do you think, Dad, that was sexting six people that day, do you think that that maybe was a reason as to why he forgot his kid in the car? There's an awful lot there because if you want to use the term sex addiction, yeah, can be a very, very powerful thing. But uh, it just seems like to me that if you've had breakfast with the kid now, uh, how old is the kid? 22 months, so almost two 22 years. 22 months, a little short of two years. The kid's not really eating. You're, you're doing a lot of feeding. Mm-hmm. So you're being interactive with the kid at that time. Mm-hmm. And then less than 10 minutes later, you forget the kid's there. Mm-hmm. That doesn't hold too good to me, no matter what's on your mind. Yeah. But you remember yeah. to pick up your phone and sex back a 16-year-old. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he's going to end up, and as we see, potentially the sexting thing whether it's related to the kid or not however you want to look at it that's going to be the thing that's the nail in the coffin for him you know and and maybe i don't know maybe maybe he does deserve to be in prison for the rest of his life for that but it but if it truly was an accident which again i don't know it's it's a really weird gray area Texting, yeah, one. sexting, sorry, sexting six people, that is almost a family. <laughs> and, you know, if you're sexting that much and you have low testosterone, I, I call bullshit on that, yeah. on the low T yeah. thing. So. What are you saying? One of the things, though, when you start to Google things like this, the fact that he supposedly had done Google searches about deaths in hot cars, uh-huh. that was reported that he had said that to one of the police. It's never really on any kind of record. During the trial, that part of it was dis- discounted. They had to say, no, he'd never said that. And so. so there was also another thing about them doing web searches for, um, like, single single child, Childless, like, life or whatever. But we'll see that how that actually plays out. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if that was just media bullshit. But anyways... So Detective Stoddard testified that Ross sent photos of his genitals to at least one woman that day. Which again, like, oh, I can remember to send my my penis pictures, but I can't remember my kid in the backseat of the car. You know, I, I know I'm like, I keep hearing that. I've got things, another but... question. <laughs> Is he sending dick pics with his kid in the back? I I'm assuming no. I'm assuming he's doing it from like his office cubicle or something. Oh, on the company's dime. Probably. He definitely was fired right after this. According Ugh. to Stoddard, one of the women asked Ross, quote, do you have a conscious? And he answered... Conscience. I said conscience. You said conscious. Conscience. <laughs> he answered, nope. Because he was actually really... I think he was fairly honest with the women that he was having sex with or sexting with. He, like, let them know that he was married with a kid, you know. And a lot of them are sex workers, too. They're not all just people that want to be his friend why would you send a dick pic to a sex worker <laughs> i don't know yeah it's like, yeah. i think she's seen a lot of those it's just another day at the office mm. so for her <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so now we got the alleged computer searches stoddard testified that ross visited the website reddit frequently in the weeks before cooper's death ross visited a forum about Quote, people who die, which showed videos of deaths, Stoddard said. He also visited a forum called Child Free, which advocates not having any more children and adding to the biomass. 
And this is very misleading. And we'll look at his 2021 appeal, how that is misleading just a little bit. Just five days before Cooper's death, Ross also accessed a video in which a veterinarian demonstrated the deadly temperatures inside a hot car. According to Stoddard, Ross viewed the video twice. Stoddard also alleged that Ross used Google to search numerous phrases, including, quote, how to survive in prison and age of consent for Georgia. Okay, this guy. Which I have Googled too now, so I better not, nothing oh, better happen. Now you're on the list well, too. Well, I had, I had to make sure I was doing research. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was just doing research too. So on September 4th, 2014, Ross is indicted for a malice murder, two counts of felony murder, cruelty to children in the first and second degree, criminal attempt to commit a felony, and dissemination of harmful materials to minors. A month later, Ross pleads not guilty to all eight charges. September 11th, 2015, Cobb County releases results from Cooper's autopsy. Hyperthermia is listed as the toddler's cause of death. There are no drugs in his system or other injuries that have could have caused his death. I also just looked up real quick to see how many dogs die in cars each year, and it's about 78, so hmm. that's sad. Let's stop leaving things in cars. In the fall of 2015, Judge Mary Staley ruled that the pretrial hearings will be open to the public. She also rules that conversations between Ross and Cobb County Police from June 18th are admissible as evidence. In this footage, police describe Ross as unemotional and cordial and well acquainted with the charges against him. Additionally, Judge Staley decides that online chats that Ross had with other women are admissible, which I think is weird. And I think that that is part of the appeal as well. Prosecutors claim that in those chats, Ross told women that he would leave his wife if not for their son. In one of those chats held on the morning that Cooper was last alive, Ross posted, I love my son and all, but we both need escapes. The police say that this is a motive to kill. And I will say that the timing sucks on this, obviously, because by all accounts, I don't, I think that he wanted to leave his wife, but it seems pretty obvious that he didn't want to leave his kid though. You know, even like, and, and, and again, like, I love my son and all, but we all need escapes. That could sound like, and that is why I want to kill him. Or it could also just sound like, I just need to get away from my life for a little bit. And I don't think it necessarily, like, it's really bad timing. <laughs> really bad wording, really bad timing. So after defending her husband for quite some time, on February 11th, 2016, Leanna files for divorce from Ross. In March... Right after that, eight new charges are filed against Ross, including two counts of sexual exploitation of children and six of disseminating harmful material to a minor, which is his dick pic. On April 11th, 2016, jury selection begins for the 239 people who are summoned. An overwhelming majority of prospective jurors say that Ross is guilty. Several expressed statements of disgust towards him, including that, that he should rot in hell and needs to go down. So, yeah, it was uh, that's why this was a very, very big case. So it's really, really hard to get jurors for a big case. Have you ever been a juror on anything? I was going to be a juror one time, but when the guy that was going to go to trial saw that they were actually convening a jury, he said, no, 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 wait a minute. I did it. <laughs> what? Oh, really? Yeah. I was actually in the jury box. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And he just said, oh, never mind, I plead yeah. guilty? Wow. What, what state was this in? It's California. Oh, California. Okay. Was it a murder trial? No, no. Oh, okay. That, that would be very, de- like... That would be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. So, yeah, it was hard to get an impartial jury, and out of the 239, only 41 were even qualified. Ross's defense files for a change of venue, and the judge grants this. And so the new trial would begin in Brunswick, which I think is Georgia. That's southern Georgia. Southern Georgia on September 12th. And they said that Brunswick and Twinings, is that what it is? No, Vinings had similar demographics so that it would be similar like you know and also cobb county to relocate the trial it costs two hundred thousand dollars to relocate it because i'm assuming you have to feed and shelter the jury right they have to be in a hotel or something they have to feed and shelter the jury they have to relocate the vehicle because the vehicle is going to be used in the trial as well and they have to preserve that two hundred thousand dollars of taxpayers dollars to move this which i don't know how i feel about that but that seems a little really ridiculous yeah Yeah. judge mary staley clark rules that dr david diamond a psychologist who will be an expert witness for the defense is he also a pro wrestler (laughs) so she rules that he is not able to give his professional opinion that he thinks that ross did not act intentionally when leaving cooper in the suv Staley Clark also rules that the SUV may be shown to jurors as evidence and that a 3D animation of the crime scene that the prosecutors created may be shown to the jurors. So she lets in a lot of things on the prosecution side. On September 12th, 2016, the trial restarts in Brunswick with a new round of jury selection. And this is partially because I believe there was like an ad put out during this time in the newspaper or something. And they thought that maybe one of the jurors had put out the ad that was like condemning Ross for killing his kid. And so they had to research to figure out who had put out this ad in the newspaper. And so it had been so tainted by that point, and that's why they had to pick a whole new jury again. I know. So so then they had to wait an extra month to then restart the new trial. So the new trial starts on October 3rd, 2016. A jury of six men and six women is selected. In a late pretrial motion, the judge allows the testimony of a prostitute uh, witness... And, and it says that here. It doesn't say sex worker. It just says prostitute witness. The prosecution delivers its opening statements. And after nearly a month with 22 days of testimony and 70 witnesses, it took the jury several days to come to its verdict. During deliberations, they asked several questions to the court about the evidence. Ross was found guilty of eight felony counts in the death of his son, including malice murder, cruelty to children, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. And he is sentenced to life in prison plus 32 years with no possibility of parole. Oof, that's a gnarly sentence. So there are some new developments. May 2021. The judge who presided over the 2016 murder trial of Justin Ross Harris has denied the former web developer's motion for a new trial. This came as little surprise. Had she granted a new trial, she would have had to admit to key errors on her part. Ross's lawyers plan to appeal her ruling to the Georgia Supreme Court. The state, in its response to Ross's motion for a new trial, argued the evidence supported their theory 
that the defendant killed his young son, quote, to live a life without children, to be able to divorce his wife, and then to have numeral sexual relationships. Numerous. Numerous, with his low-T loser ass. <laughs> Cobb police detective Phil Stoddard testified that Ross was involved in a group that promoted, quote, a child-free lifestyle, a claim that Kilgore said was, quote, an outright lie. And Kilgore is the defense attorney, and yeah, it, it this, this is where it was really misleading. So yeah, he did visit a Reddit group for a child-free life, but there's more to it than that. According to the defense, the child-free group had come up in a Google chat with a coworker, prosecution witness Alex Hall. He's the one who sent Ross the link to the Reddit subgroup. Ross's response: "Quote grossness." <laughs> in search. So he didn't. He only visited the website because somebody made him, and then he was like, "That's stupid. Why would you send me this?" Basically. So it's not like he actually visited. So that's really misleading. In search warrants obtained under oath by Cobb Detective Sean Murphy, Ross was accused of researching child deaths inside vehicles, including the temperature and length of time needed for that to occur. Mm. The prosecution pointed out a video Ross had watched depicting the dangers of leaving a dog inside a hot car. But Ross didn't seek out the video, his lawyer said. He watched it after it showed up on his Reddit feed. So again, like there are things that he clicked, but he didn't actually see, potentially didn't actually seek them out. Sounds like plausible deniability to me. Yeah, which I mean, that's the thing you're, when you're found guilty, that's basically saying that beyond a reasonable doubt, you believe that something was, you know, happened. Uh oh. So there's a science behind the syndrome. So you guys let me know if you call bullshit or not, because this so that this David Diamond guy, he is a professor of psychology at the University of South Florida, and he works closely with an organization called kidsincars.org. I call bullshit. Okay. He focuses on cognitive neuroscience, including the neurobiology of forgotten baby syndrome. So I told you there was a syndrome involved. He has a theory on how caring, competent parents can forget their children in the car. Diamond's research led him to conclude that the reason is a failure of the memory system. There's a system called perspective memory, which involves the intent to remember to complete tasks out of your ordinary routine, he wrote. And then there's a system called habit memory, to, which is akin to being on autopilot. Rote memory. So the perspective system is what fails when a parent forgets a child in the car. Then habit takes over, Diamond wrote in his research. When it does, regardless of original intent, people complete routine tasks. It's the same thing that happens when you are in a rush on the way to work and you put your coffee on top of the roof of your car. You get in without thinking to take the coffee down, close the door, and drive off while the coffee goes flying. It's not always benign, though, and there is a precedent for Diamond's conclusion. The failure of perspective memory has resulted in other scenarios, plane crashes as a result of memory error, and incidents of police officers forgetting their guns were loaded, Diamond wrote. So a parent leaving a baby in the car is not carelessness. It's a failure of the memory system, he concluded. So, what do we think? I think this low-T bastard... Is a son of a bitch. But does he deserve to be in jail for the rest of his life? That I don't know. What do you think, Dad? 
I think he did it, and he probably should remain in jail. Even if it was an accident? I'm, no, I Do don't think, think it was an you? accident. Yeah. Oh, you don't believe it was an accident? No. Okay. I have a hard time believing that, too. I have a hard time of it, but I actually do believe, I don't know if I totally believe the whole syndrome thing and trying to necessarily explain it with quote unquote, you know, you know, neuroscience and stuff, but maybe it was his subconscious. I don't know. I, I think that it was an accident. I think it was a fatal accident. I don't think he should be in prison for life because it was really sad. I was reading about another case um, because the thing is, is like, Obviously, from what the beginning, we said that there's a lot of kids who die in cars every year. Do all of the parents get put in jail? No, right? Um, and one, there was this one, there was this one guy. I didn't grab the name, but he had just adopted a Russian child. Like they had been going through adoption for a long time, and he forgot his kid in the car, and he went out, and the kid was dead. And so Russia, because of this, Russia closed adoptions to the United States. They're saying like, no, we're not going to give you any more babies. And so actually at the time, there were 23 people trying to adopt from Russia. And so all of those adoptions were just cut. So this guy has basically spent the rest of his life. I mean, and the thing is, he's like, I wish I had died that day and not my kid. So like a lot of people say that the punishment of losing your kid is enough that you, you shouldn't have to serve time if it was an accident. But again, it kind of begs the question if it was an accident or not, which obviously the jury and the judge believe that it wasn't, you know. Yeah, if you were if you were on the jury, you'd be privy to a lot more information yeah. than you are, even from searching the Internet, yeah. which brings up one of my biggest things about the Internet is when I look at this stuff, some of the articles don't have a date. So I yeah. don't know if this was during the trial you know, immediately after the trial, some sort of analysis done way after. Very difficult to tell. Yeah. Uh, you haven't raised anything about the smell of death yet. Oh, what about it? <clears throat> when he went back to put the light bulbs in the car. Yeah. He opened the car door. Now, whether he looked or not, by this time, the kid had been in the car, At a least hot three car, hours. for around three to four hours. Mm -hmm. Do you think there wouldn't have been some sort of odor, at least from a dirty diaper? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but to contradict that, people after he pulled over and started wailing, oh, my child is dead, they said that no one they said they, they noticed any notice. kind of an, an odor. Wow. So I, it's, wonder, it's, I wonder how quick that hit the kid died. But at this point, the kid's outside of the car, right? But the, Probably, but the, the witnesses, odor might yeah. linger. Yeah, I mean... It you, you've had instances of that, haven't you, Kevin? <laughs> I have experience with dead things. And yeah, that soon after death, I don't think it would be smelling that much, but at least a poop smell. Yeah. yeah. Abigail has joined us. Maybe she's got some insight. <laughs> Do you want to say something? <laughs> don't leave me in the car. Okay. <laughs> so Jeanette Fennell founder of kidsandcars.org, she told USA Today that the organization has been trying to get a driver reminder system, which is mm. kind of sad that there needs to be that, but it's, I mean, obviously there does need to be that. It's called a string around the finger. Yeah. Added to vehicles since 2003, the group's efforts included language in other bills, which was stripped and the Hot Car Act of 2017 was attached to another bill and neither passed. So it, a bill to have this added to cars has never passed in the Senate. The safety bill would require that cars have both an audio and visual alert that may be combined with a vibration warning activating when the engine is shut off from the national. Okay. So 
I don't know, like, but they have this, why can't you just tell your brain, like, when this, this, like, isn't there, like, some kind of alarm that goes off when you turn your car off and you leave your keys in there, I guess? Like, I don't know. Like, they're, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it being in there, but, like. There's families out there that are waiting for dick pics, so there's no time for that shit. (laughs) So from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website, there are some tips for keeping children safe. Number one, check for your baby. That's a good step. Yeah. Parents and caregivers should get into the habit of always looking inside your car before locking the doors. Remember, park, look, lock, and ask yourself, where's baby? Right there. Baby's right here. Yeah. Baby's right there. Everyone should keep their car locked. Vehicular heat stroke doesn't just happen when a child is forgotten. The second leading cause, 26% of deaths are children getting into unattended vehicles. So some of those deaths, I'm sure, happened just because they got stuck in the car. So they're saying get in the habit of always locking your oh, car doors. Yeah, so they can't get in it. Yeah, and trunk year-round. The temperature inside of a car can reach over 115 degrees when the outside temperature is just 70. Oof. I wonder how many kids dying cars from freezing to death like in the midwest and stuff it's probably not Mm. as common never leave a child alone while all types of vehicular heat stroke are preventable the third leading cause of these deaths knowingly leaving a child is most preventable never leave a child alone in a parked car even with the windows rolled down and the air conditioning on a child's body temperature can rise three to five times faster than an adult's you, you guys left us we were probably much older but like if you ran into the drugstore or something did you leave us in the car that's not impossible i don't think that we did that while you were in car seats so. yeah exactly yeah i don't remember being in the I car i would seat. feel very uncomfortable about that yeah me too <laughs> if you so what if you see a child alone in a vehicle If you see a child alone in a vehicle, make sure the child is okay and responsive. If not, call 911 immediately. If the child appears to be okay, attempt to locate the parents. If at a public place, have the facility page the car owner over an intercom system. If the child is not responsive and appears to be in distress, attempt to get into the car to assist the child, even if that means breaking a window. Many states, I think California included, have something called the Good Samaritan Law that protects people from lawsuits from getting involved to help a person in an emergency. And I think in California and Oregon, that extends to dogs as well. So if you see a dog in distress, if you break a window, they can't, like, sue you over that or anything. No, cats, on the other hand, that's okay. (laughs) So that's it for the case today. Any any last thoughts? As, as we reflect on Father's Day? I know one statistic that I saw in my reading, as I did, I, I did some reading on this, is the fact that since this has occurred, there have been no more or less prosecutions in cases like this. Hmm. So it apparently hasn't had any effect whatsoever. Hmm. So all these sexters are going to sext. Well, I also just think that in all the other cases there was no sexting involved it was purely you know what i mean that's what that's what makes this case kind of stand it is unique. alone is that there's that gray area of like was this an accident or malicious because i think when all the other <laughs> i think in all the other cases it's it's obvious that it was a an accident this one is just very strange you know yeah. and is also very big in the media yeah so it was a 
and it and 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 it's it's inclusion in it's kind of prolifer what's the word i'm looking for proliferation yeah it 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 being so huge in the media definitely influenced the jury whether the jury wants to like pretend it did or not there are definitely people who were affected by it that went in with ideas before the trial started because i mean that's the thing with trials is that there's there's human error in there you know so you can you can try to be you can try to pretend to be as least biased as possible or have the least amount of bias but regardless people went in with their opinions about it you know plus it also sounds like the judge let stuff in that she shouldn't have yeah possibly but when you hear about this dude sexting six different chicks young underage chicks behind his wife's back and kills his kid in the process and he's a piece of shit so i mean yeah how can you not want him to fuck off yeah but again does that make him guilty of murder though because that's what malicious murder that's what he was charged on you know so yeah what do you guys think <laughs> you can join our true crime dumpster facebook group if you want we think you should Follow us on Twitter at TC Dumpster and on Instagram at True Crime Dumpster. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, and many other platforms. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. (laughs) I can talk. Every review, rating, and referral helps us to get to a larger audience. Tune in next time as we continue talking out the trash. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Happy Father's Day.